from AT4 Studios. This is what? the AT4 Studios. Do you know what an AT4 is? Is that your car you're driving? Oh, first of all, I'm a man, so I don't drive a car. Oh, I'm <laughs> sorry. Oh, you drive a Ford truck, probably, right? No, it's called an AT4. It's a uh, it's a truck, Micah. It's what men drive. Ah, see, I just drive a Kia Sorento, so I wouldn't know that. <laughs> you had Kia, you had live from Kia Studios, so I'm live from the AT4 Studios. Um, I like it. All right, welcome to the Max Revenue Show. I'm your host, Max Revenue, and I'm here with the illustrious Micah Salas, the insurance guide himself, author of the business insurance playbook. If you haven't bought it, go to Amazon. Bingo. It's on video if you're listening to this. So it is all it's, it's fifth grade pages. <laughs> um, and also, just some housekeeping. So I've listened to the last couple episodes, and I am whistling my S's so bad with this prosthetic in my mouth, my retainer. So I'm going to take it out because it's so bad I can't even listen to it. So I'm going to pop this little sucker out, and uh, I won't have any teeth, and then we will get on with the show. There's the Max I know. Mm, yep. No tooth. No teeth. All right. So um, I sent out the newsletter late, like an idiot. I, w- I was Shame literally watching. I, I got really into The Last Kingdom, awesome show on Netflix about Vikings. And I was on, it was like 1030 and I was in the middle of it and I was like, holy crap, it's Sunday. I haven't written the newsletter. So anyways, I got to it this morning. Sorry, everybody. Uh, and I know you just read it and basically the gist is, you know, strategies for getting around the gatekeeper. I think you and I have a very different take on this. So I will open it up to you, A, to see what you thought about the newsletter and then just kind of get your take on getting around or through or befriending the gatekeeper, whatever. And then I'll give my take on it and then we will uh, we'll kind of see where we land. Yeah, uh, well, I thought the newsletter was really well written, so. Thank you. Round of applause. <laughs> I, I literally laughed out loud when I read Dottie's Daily drop, uh, Dopamine Hit. You know, scrolling YouTube. <laughs> and if you don't know what I'm talking about, go check out the newsletter. It's funny. Uh, you're so stereotypical of us salespeople. Come on, man. It is what it is, man. I'm, well, well, I mean, at least on LinkedIn. I've been you know, in the cubes, to, bro. I know, what it <laughs> I know because I do it, you know? Uh, yeah, exactly. I know because uh, I'm guilty. So, uh, I, you know, it's funny. I think we have a little bit different of a take, but I think overall I went through all your five bullet points. And I actually agree with, I agree with parts of all five and some, some, some completely altogether, some kind of like, yes, but I would change this or do this differently. Uh, Just an overall 50,000 foot view of my take on the gatekeepers, man. um, I very first call, I give them the benefit of the doubt, right? I'm going to call them. I'm not going to say like, Hey, this is Michael with blah, blah, blah. I'm just going to say, Hey, is Bob in right. Very assumptive. And we'll talk about the specifics in a second, but, and if they say, Nope, who is this? Or, Oh, who is this? I'll tell them, just shoot them straight. Hey, it's Micah with my company. 
and then see what they say, right? So it could go a million different directions. But if that hasn't worked once or twice, or if I get the sense I'm being blocked, because um, usually what I find is I get passed through to voicemail more than anything. Instead of being blocked, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure with technology nowadays, it's a little just easier just to pass people to voicemail and then voicemails are full. But if they say, hey, can I take a message? That's where it can open up some different avenues, I think, which we can talk about. I'm not going to go down these rabbit holes yet because I know we got the five bullets, which kind of. Yeah, I'm going to take a note so anyways, on that. I have, I have something to say on that as well. Let me write that down. Go ahead. Keep going. Yeah. So, so I would just say from a high level view, I agree with most of your stuff in the newsletter. I also am a huge fan of being just brutally honest with people and trying to, I think humans are still humans at the end of the day. And I know their job is to protect that, uh, you know, that King or queen of that business uh, with, with all their might. Right. And to keep you out and to keep the moats or the bridges up. So, um, so I get that aspect of it too. Um, And I've seen salespeople talk both sides of this. Like some are like, Hey, make friends with the gatekeeper. Some are like, Work around them somewhere, be strategic. And it's really, you never can tell, you know, any, even a half truth, a full lie kind of thing. So I, I can see every single buddy's, every person's point. Um, I think you kind of just got to play it out by like my, so my, again, first call them, give them the benefit of the doubt, shoot them straight. Um, and then if I need to, if I'm not getting anywhere, that's when I'll start to kind of maybe take some alternative routes. Um, but I just still feel like people are people and I've had some good success. Sometimes you're shooting people straight. Like, Hey Susie, I've called like 10 times. I'm sure you, you see my number. Like I got a question for you. Is it, am I completely wasting my time or is it like, what's the best way to get in touch with Bob? Does he ever talk to anyone on, on the insurance or is he just like in love with his agent? Are they married? Are they high school frat brothers, you know, college frat brothers. And that that's actually served me really, really well just to take that approach. And I'll kind of, I'll go to that maybe fourth, fifth, when you know that gatekeeper knows your your voice at that point so that's kind of my thinking on it i hear you and i would say that more than getting shut down you probably get sent to voicemails or or maybe it's 50 50 that being said maybe it's just my experience with previous employers that i've worked for i feel like most receptionists have no freaking clue about their insurance. Um, And maybe, you know, and I'm not trying to offend anyone, but just to be quite blunt with you, I don't think most receptionists have any clue about the decision maker. They don't know who it is. And even if they do, they have no concept of what business or commercial insurance is. They don't know, if they're in, lo- they probably never even talk to the decision maker uh, because they're on another floor. Like, I just think that trying to take feedback from, I disagree with you. I think taking feedback from a receptionist, at least in my experience, is totally pointless. So, I don't think they have any clue. Now, an executive assistant, yeah, I'll, I'll give you that because then they know, but most receptionists, uh, just to be honest with you, I think they're receptionists for a reason. Okay, and I I'll, see that. I see that face that you're making. You do, you disagree. <laughs> so let me play Stephen A. a little bit here and come back. Uh, you're you're right. If you're assuming most businesses that we're calling on are 400, 500 plus employees, you're wrong. And I will go to my grave defending this. If we're calling businesses with 20 employees, less than 100, 150. I know for sure from firsthand experience, those receptionists 
if they've been there five, 10, 50, I mean, uh, they play a key role to the business. Actually, it's, it's hard to explain, uh, you know, some owners just give them the whole keys to the castle and say, <laughs> you're actually the one I'm going to trust to handle the insurance, which, which I don't recommend necessarily doing not a slight against receptionists. It's just, I personally want to do that with my business. But um, like, for example, my brother-in-law runs uh, it would be about 12 in revenue. He's paying, you know, over a hundred thousand basement repair company out of Wisconsin. He has a receptionist that I, I, I mean, him and I will have beers together, hang out or whatever at their house. And he talks about it all the time, treats her very nicely. You know, she definitely has an intimate relationship in terms of like wrong word choice, intimate knowledge of, <laughs> I hope not, but um, knowledge of the situation. And I would say, <laughs> tell your sister, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, um, but you get the point. <laughs> so my whole point is I disagree with you on that one. Fair Unless enough, fair enough. Now, the, the thousand-person company, you know, the Marsh McLennans of the world, absolutely. They don't know. You call it, you know, you're trying to sell them some service. They don't know who you are. Target, yeah. Yeah, I, I hear you. I, and I think a lot of this just goes back to, like, whatever your particular experiences are. You know, I, I think back to, um, you know, I mean, literally – I've probably worked at six or seven different companies all in as a, you know, in some type of sales role. Um, But of all, every single one of those, the receptionist had zero understanding. Right. And maybe that's just me. And so then I project that onto them, uh, the prospects that I call. And so, yeah, it's probably, you know, helped me in some ways and it's probably not served me in other ways. So, Let's just chalk that one up to uh, a stalemate. Um, but I did what, write this thing down. Go ahead. No, the only thing I would add to that is I don't want you listeners to get the. I, I'm also saying like just because they say, "Oh no, we just renewed" or whatever, you don't just listen to the receptionist necessarily. Believe them either. I mean, um, I'm just saying, try that to work that angle. But also, I think the ultimate goal is, and we talked about this in one of your in your newsletters that you just wrote, number bullet point number, I think two or one is called a cell phone, right? Go directly to the owner. If you can, that's the ultimate goal because I've gotten shot down before by receptionists, even controllers or whatever. And then you call the owner, maybe next year you call the owner and they're like, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, I'd be open to chatting. And again, guess what? Then who's your, your next, who's your, who's your best friend, the receptionist who has to get you all the info. So yep. um, that's yeah, happened that to me. That That's happened there, to but. me so many times. Um, one thing before we get into how I would get around the gatekeeper, um, you had mentioned, uh, and this is just more like hand-to-hand combat tactic type stuff. Um, when they ask, can I take your information or what's your name and number? I usually say something like, gotcha. Um, I can do that. Or if it's just easier for you, I can just leave them a voicemail or, Totally get it, but I mean, I'll. It's it's quite a lot. If you want, I can just save you some ink and some hand cramps, and I'll you know just pass me on to their voicemail, something like that. Um, but I think, and again, maybe I'm jaded, but I think most receptionists are browsing through the web. They want to. If you are not a customer, uh, I think that they are trying to get you off the phone as quickly as possible. And so I think that um, there are some ones out there who actually think for themselves 
and they're not robots and they do try to sift through things and then bring valuable information to the business owner. I just, in my experience, I don't think that's the majority. So that being said, I treat gatekeepers as an obstacle for the most part. And I basically have uh, my five ways that I try to get around them. Uh, most of these are completely honest. <laughs> I will say some of it would be considered maybe what you would call gray hat or black hat in the online world where, you know, it's to your discretion whether you want to do it this way or not. Um, so like you said, the first one is have the balls to call their cell phone number. Um, good you know what's even slogan. <laughs> I know. Have the balls have to the call. Balls their to call. <laughs> have the <laughs> balls to call. Their cell. Yep. Um, you know, whether it's Zoom info or whatever you have, um, a lot of times you can get the cell phone number. And, um, you know, when I first started doing this in the insurance world, not, not the previous sales jobs, but I didn't call cell phones because I was, if I'm being honest, I was a little timid because I didn't want to call Bob. And Bob just ripped me a new one. Like, why are you calling me on your cell phone? And then you really converted me over to the cell phone. And um, I've done it with a lot of success. And so I highly recommend if you have the data and you have the cell phone, by all means, call the cell phone. Number two, I'm going to run through these and then we'll circle back on if you want to hit anything, is what I call act like you're their brother. Okay, so I use this. I, my brother owns his own company, kind of like your brother-in-law who has the intimate relationship with the receiver. <laughs> uh, so my, my brother owns a company. And so when I call in and I, I do this as, as just, you know, second nature now, but, and this is where so many agents get it wrong. Cause I've sat in the cubes. I've been in the bullpens listening to other people make calls and they do it so wrong. Like you got to remember the, these Ladies and gentlemen who are the gatekeepers, their job is literally to keep you away from the decision maker. So when you call in and you say with a high inflection tone, hey, Debbie, this is Max Revenue with XYZ Insurance. Is David Smith in? They're going to be like, red flag. Like this guy's selling something like and, and especially if you say the name of your agency or in, you say insurance or whatever, it's like. Ears perk up, not letting this dude through. So Even I think that's first a terrible, and last name. Yeah, like first and last name. Yeah, it's Jeff Smith there. I mean, that reeks of a sales call. Yeah. Um, so I call like if I was calling into my brother's company or my dad used to own a dry cleaning uh, store back in my hometown. And so if I was calling in, I'd be like, yeah, Bill, please. Or, you know, Debbie, it's Trey again. It's Bill in. You know, something like that where, like, you're expecting to be put through because as much as she wants to keep people out, she also doesn't want to mess up and gate someone who's supposed to get through. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of times that tone or just being presumptive that, like, Debbie, it's Trey, let me through. Like, not saying that, but, like, calling with that kind of tone, uh, it, it works great for me. And, and the people that I have shown that to other, you know, salespeople or producers, um, I mean, I literally will watch them get stonewalled 10 times in a row. And then I'm like, dude, just say this. And they'll be like, yeah, Jeff, please. And they're like, yeah, hold on a second. Like, definitely works. Okay. So number one was 
have the balls to call. Number two, act like you're their brother. Number three, attack from their flank. And so I really like this one. You got to remember, most organizations have some type of sales arm or some type of customer service arm where they, that receptionist definitely wants to get that call to somebody in sales or in customer service because Donnie in sales, if it's an inbound sales call, they have a sales team that they need to get it to. So, you know, either ask for sales or if you happen to, you know, through your searches, see that there's, you know, some dude named Donnie in sales, just ask for them. Old Donnie's going to stop scrolling YouTube and he's going to answer his phone and you're going to, and he's going to say, this is Donnie. And you're like, Oh, Donnie. Oh man, wrong department. I'm trying to get Jeff. And then boom, Donnie, a lot of times will just patch you right over to Jeff. He doesn't give two rips about trying to screen your call. He's trying to get back to YouTube or get back to working on whatever proposal or customer service thing he's doing. So I find that highly effective as well. Attack their flank. Instead of coming in through the front door, come around the side, go through sales, go through wherever else. Okay. Number four, call after hours. Um, you know, most decision makers, whether they're business owners or the CFO or whoever, they're not punching a time clock. They're not getting in at nine o'clock. They're not punching out at five. They're going to be there early. They're going to be there late. Also, depending on the industry that they're in, you know, I know you do a lot in the contractor space. A lot of times those guys are on job sites all day and they're not getting in until the end of the workday. So don't be afraid to call before or after, you know, literally, I know you make some cold calls at like seven 30 in the morning which is insane. Most people will be like, there's no way I'm doing that, but it absolutely works. So call after hours or not in normal hour times. Uh, interesting side note, remind me to tell you about a conversation I had with prime insurance when we get done with this. It relates okay. to that. Okay. And then last one I call the email rope-a-dope. This one um, definitely takes some huevos to do. Um, and maybe you're comfortable doing this. Maybe you're not. I personally subscribe to the sales of the contact sport. And if you're not cheating, you're not trying. <laughs> so maybe you agree. Maybe you don't. Um, well, basically I'm going to do something like something to this effect. Either I'm going to go through the sales department with Donnie, or if I think Debbie, the receptionist doesn't remember who I am, I'm going to say something like, I'm going to call in and I'm going to say, is Jeff there or whoever? And they say, no, he's not available. Or, you know, can I take your name and number whatever? And I say, listen, I don't want to waste your time. I just need to get some information in his hands. Is his email still Jeff at acme.com? And, and, and a lot of times just reflexively should be like, no, it's actually Jeff.Smith at whatever. You know what I'm saying? And so is it dishonest? I don't know. I'll let you decide. Uh, but. I have no qualms about doing that. Uh, so absolutely not. I sleep good at night and uh, I have no issues playing the game. So what are your thoughts? Well, let's, I'll just take it one by one, right? So cell phone. Uh, 100% obviously I converted you that calling cell phones is like a must. If you have the cell phone number and you are in sales, you've got to get comfortable calling the cell phone um, just do it. I don't have a better way to say it. Um, and just act normal. You don't like, I, I can count on, I bet you it's 10% of the time people's, the people's biggest fear is you call and they're like, this is my cell phone. How'd you get my number? 
that maybe even happens 10 to 15%, I would say. Like 80%, no one's saying that. So just mm. it's just get out of your own way. Um, one little side tip when calling cell phones, which I guess you could say is gray hat, is I call from a different cell phone number sometimes. So if wow. I'm not getting an answer. Like it. If I, which to me, it's like, who cares? So I've picked up my wife's phone or someone in the office. Like, hey, can I use your phone? <laughs> And I'll try calling it, and lo and behold, they pick up. You know, um, now Josh Braun would say that's being deceitful. I would just say, I, I mean, I'm calling. I'm not. First of all, I'm not doing anything. I'm calling him from a different number. Who cares? You know, it's like I've used my personal cell phone. I had a, I, I had two cell phones at one point, anyways, a work and a personal. Now I just have one. But um, to me, that's like I don't feel, I don't feel any guilt. So I guess one of those personal things. I don't, I feel zero guilt calling from someone from a different cell phone number than mine. It's just like calling an office number versus your personal cell phone. Who cares? They pick up. That's on them. They have the choice to pick up. That's on them. Um, Can I interject okay. something? Can I interject something there real quick? Yeah. Also, remember not to throw shade on any of these gurus, but it's real easy to stay on your moral high horse when you're not actually making cold calls anymore. You know, so a lot of these guys... A lot of these well, guys, and I'm not going to say names, but it's like, you know, they play the honesty, the honesty card where it's like, you know, oh, it's this or it's that. But here's how you can sell while being whatever, you know, 100 transparent, all percent, you know, transparent all the time. And is there a way? Yes, absolutely. You can. But remember, these guys are selling products and courses. So, of course, they can, you know, sit in the ivory tower and preach down to you about the morality of being deceitful on a cold call. I'm not advertising being deceitful, but I also think it's a game. Play the game, right? Like, you know, use a little pine tar on your bat. You know, use a little, uh, uh, shoot, I'm a pitcher. Moxie. I should know this. What, what is, what's, uh, chalk? How can I not think of this? I was a freaking pitcher. Sandbag, the chalk bag, whatever. I mean, like. Deflate the footballs. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we're never. Uh, this is this podcast and newsletter is never going to get sponsored because nobody's ever going to put their name beside it. And I'm okay with that. But, I mean, it's a no, game. I mean, that, Play the damn well, game. Well, like, to me, the cell phone thing, you can't tell me that's a lot. You're not lying. You're just calling someone from a different cell phone number. Are you being. Yeah, like you said, sneaky, tricky, I guess. But even then, I mean, I've used two different cell phones just innocently before someone even brought, oh, that's kind of being deceitful. It's like, okay, I never even really thought about it, but whatever, you know. Um, anyways, yeah. So point number two, act, yeah, act like your brother, right? I love that one. I mean, I think uh, that's the way our cold call script goes too. It's just like when they, when they pick up, it's like, hey, Trey, you know, yeah, what's up? You know, it's kind of like just talk to them like you expect to be on the call. Um, so I, I'm actually all on board with that one. I have no qualms there, disagreements really. Um, and that that just reiterates the fact of how you say stuff matters, right? Not what we're saying, it's how you say it. Um, you know, so when you're talking to the secretary, it's the same as kind of that monotone voice and all that stuff that you're you're talking to the owner with. Uh, your your third point you made about attacking the flank, um, I liked most of it, and I've done that before too. Call, <laughs> calling a salesperson. The only thing is, like I think you said, you did say what I would consider a lie, because you said, <laughs> "What did you say in the newsletter?" It was like I can't remember this, the way you worded it in the newsletter. I'm like, well, technically that's a lie because you it's said like Donnie, que like question mark Donnie. Because oh, you oh yeah, wrong like, department. Yeah. I was trying to get Jeff. Yeah, because you knew you. Yeah, you knew you weren't 
trying to ever get Jeff. You were purposely calling him. So what I would just say, I agree with attacking the flank, but like, hey, Donnie, man, I've been trying to get in touch with Jeff for like a you know a year. Do you have any? What's the best way to reach the guy? You know, or or just being shoot, just shoot him straight when he picks up. Be like, hey, this is Donnie. Like, hey, Donnie, it's Mike. I wonder is Jeff around? So instead of even lying, you just ask directly for Jeff, and then then you're not lying. Saying, "Oh, I was looking for Jeff." So for me personally, that's probably what I would do. Is that what um, what's that cat's name that you listen to all the time? Is that what Ram Dass would do? <laughs> I don't know what Ram Dass would do. That's a good question, though. All right, continue on. Yeah, I have to think about that. Um. Yeah, after hours, I agree. The only thing I would add there is, be, like you just mentioned, this doesn't have to be just after. It could be four or lunchtime. I found the secretaries and the gatekeepers and such. This podcast is all about those people are out to lunch. They're gone. Or they have set out, like, the gatekeeper will sometimes dip out way earlier because they're they're only working from seven. They're only going to work their eight hours and they're done, right? So uh, the owner is going to work. So it doesn't even have to be six at night. It could just be the, that three to five time slot of calling. I have sometimes have my most success. Um, you had mentioned seven thirty calls, uh, you know, little plug for the Midwest here, but when I moved from Wisconsin down to Texas, I was a little shocked at how late people get the day started in the South. I'm like, nine o'clock. Like what is going Throwing on? Shots. Yeah. I mean, cause in the Midwest, dude, people are, you're, you gotta be to the office 10 minutes early. You gotta show up at like, if your start time's seven, you got to get there at like 655. Otherwise you're late and then start making cold calls at like 715 to 730. And uh, it's just different. Well, it's a little under- different. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can think the majority of that is probably because they were up, you know, those of us who are in the Southeast, we probably, you know, stayed up watching our SEC football team or our NFL team dominate sports on television so we were probably up a little bit later than you clowns up in the midwest i mean i don't even you know when's the last time wisconsin's team's been worth a damn so i don't know that's just my two cents hey man we should have won the rose bowl back in like 2012 Mm. (laughs) uh yeah it's been a while but we got a good hire this year i think we'll be back our badger football team will be back on it um i I didn't know they still had a football team Me neither. I've kind of forgot about it the last two years. They're pretty forgettable. Okay. Touche. Enough banter. Continue on. Um, oh, okay. Your last point. Email. Can you leave? You know, I would, I guess what I would say to that is, um, again, I don't think you have to lie. So you don't have to say, hey, I have this. I mean, you can actually just Google an email and just tell them what you have. Or what I've actually done a lot of times and you 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 alluded to this if they say hey nope johnny's not in do you want me to take a message what i say then and i i have a pretty good success rate at getting emails i'd say over half for sure um i'll just say yeah instead of leaving a message i have a lot to say is there a way that i does he have an email that he checks that's usually exactly what i say and they'll be like yeah or they'll say no i'm not allowed to give that out and then i go to this one i'll say hey can i send you an email that you can forward on to johnny and that works really well. I've actually set a meeting that way before a couple times. Um, and uh, the other thing is, if they give you their email and you'll Boom, reverse engineer, <laughs> I don't send it to Debbie. I just send it to yeah. Bob. Yeah, but it's you know nowadays I feel like it's nowadays it's getting emails is pretty easy. Um, 
seamless AI or whatever, like you subscribe to is or just Googling. This is another tip I used to use way back in the day before all these were out here. Is like I would just Google um, John dot Smith at, you know, curiouschef.com or whatever I was calling. And then all then Google would like fill in all these, it would like pull like their salesperson from a trade show or whatever, it would kind of pull that specific phrase and then I would get the name and then just change out the person that you know the name I was looking at. That does but, work out a lot, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um it was kind of that I'll, was like the original chat GPT, right? It was like, how do you type stuff into Google to get it to give you the, the to find the info you want? And nowadays, you know, to get on the chat, uh, the AI stuff, it's like that is a skill set to learn how to tell that thing you know what you want out of it which which i think is pretty i mean kudos to, i think bradley flowers your boy had a had a post on that that i thought was interesting and a diff, interesting way to look at it like instead of being so fearful of technology and he he used like the calculator um example and i thought that was really interesting because i i think i'd heard that story once but it's like don't fear the technology like learn how to use it as a tool, you know, uh, because it's going to be there regardless of if, if you think it is or not, or you want it to be there or not, it's going to, it's there. So it's here. Yeah. We um, ain't slowing down anytime soon. You might as well get used to it. Good yeah. luck trying to go back and get the TV off. <laughs> is this a good time to announce to everyone that all of our max revenue posts and newsletters have been uh, written by chat GPT? <laughs> <laughs> That's a joke for anyone listening. Unfortunately they have not. <laughs> Uh, uh watch our, I know it someone's gonna take sleep. that cut. Someone's gonna mm. take that cut and put that clip on, on YouTube and be like, look at these guys, they're a bunch of frauds. Yeah, <laughs> that one, with of the, the uh, with one of the, the two thousand Chinese chatbots that took over our LinkedIn account in the last month. I don't know what that's insane. About, but... I don't know who sent that on us. All right, so listen to this. Um talking about people answering the phone in odd hours. This was I don't know, about a month ago. Uh, so I do some stuff in the trucking space. I had to, unfortunately, place a trucking company with Prime, which I don't know, maybe they're different in your area, but in my area, they are the market of last resort and they are a pain in the ass. And um, basically, they were giving me, they were threatening like, um, basically like notice of cancellation if we didn't have this certain piece of like a, a personal guarantee by the business owner and it had to be notarized and and of course so i had it and i sent it over but it you know the the notarized little stamp didn't show up on a freaking scan and so it was a nightmare and so this was on a friday and then it rolled into saturday and then it rolled into sunday and they have a 24-hour hotline and I called in and this dude answered and I, he's, you know, basically asked me, is it an emergency? And it's like, yes, you guys are threatening a, you know, cancellation. If I don't get this to you, I've already gotten it to you. Like, this is ridiculous. He goes, hold on a second. I'm going to get you on with one of my underwriters. I sat on the phone for 10, 15 minutes. Nobody came on. And then finally this cat answers the phone in this very gruffy voice. And he's like, Hello, have I told you the story? No. Uh, and uh, you got me hooked, though. You got me hooked. I know. I'm working on my storytelling, and uh, I was like, "Hey, here's the problem. Can you help me?" 
He's like, yeah, just send it to my email. It's blank at blank. And I was like, okay. I send it over to him. Come to find out. It's the freaking owner of Prime. He answered. No. Yeah, he answered on a <laughs> Sunday. That's so kudos service. to him. I'm not going to give out his name. You can Google it or whatever. But kudos to you, sir. Thank you for going the extra mile on a Sunday. And um, yeah, it was wild. Like, and thank God that I didn't like say anything or be a, you know, be a dick because he could have totally just canceled the policy. Um, but wow. uh, so kudos That's... to you, sir. Thank you for doing that. Man, how can you even badmouth badmouth them after that? That's like, I guarantee you call travelers or I shouldn't even name names, but you call any <laughs> insurance company. I'm You're just using them for an example. Bold. Yeah, no, no, no. I love I mean, travelers, but uh, my no, no, point is, no, you call any prime, big national carrier. Prime, I'm not afraid. To, like, I don't care. They Prime knows they're the market of last resort. They make you jump through a thousand hoops, right? That well, being they're said, crap uh, they're taking on the worst simply. of the worst. Yeah. So yeah, there's a there's a they need, make it hard a, on yeah. you, but there's a need yeah. for them. And and I and that guy answered on a Sunday and took my call. So. I may not like that they make you jump through all these hoops, but I do have mad respect for this guy getting on the phone, the freaking owner. So kudos to you, sir. Uh, please awesome. do not do not pull my appointment. <laughs> uh, and if you do, I know a guy in Austin that would. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyways, man, that's interesting. That's a really interesting story. I mean, I, I think that's kind of funny. That's worthy of a post. Yeah, I guess I'll get there. Um, anything else you want to add to the gatekeeper stuff? How long we've been doing this thing for? Well, you got on late. Yeah, yeah. Um, our no, stuff's I mean, getting I longer. I, yeah, I mean, I think with the whole gatekeepers, guys, it's like, don't make it. It's just like me. It's kind of how I feel with research, right? Like most research is a waste of time. I can't tell you how many appointments I've set with. 25 plus size revenue accounts that literally I do zero research on before I call them. I, all I know is their name and the industry, right? Oh, HVAC, Bob, call them, you know, and that's what I kind of feel with this whole gatekeeper topic. Um, to me, it's like, you can overthink it, but just get out there, get your reps, make calls. Like what you really want to have down is the scripting that we talked about, like confidence, what you're saying, questions you're going to ask them if they answer the phone like that's the stuff you want to your tonality your confidence but like the gatekeepers and stuff i think these tac the, you know these tactics that we share can be helpful but i think more often than not it's like it's not going to move the needle in your career i think but no this is the no I, I would agree still helpful. no it, it 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 matters and we actually get a lot of people that ask about gatekeepers and I can't get a decision maker and all that. So like you said, like, is it going to be the difference between you validating? Is it going to be the difference between you getting, you know, getting to a $2 million book or not? Eh, probably not. Not if you're putting in the reps. Um, it's kind of like training for a marathon, right? Like you can go and YouTube, like, you know, what should my stride look like or what kind of training should I do? You can go do all that stuff. But at the end of the day, you just got to start logging miles, man. Yeah. And and ultimately, that's going to move the needle the most. You just got to start, got to just start hitting the road. Uh, and I would say the same thing with cold calls. When I used to, I used to manage a sales team in a different career. Uh, I worked in the front office for a minor league baseball team. I was the director of sales, 
And that they was let the you thing in the front you, office. In the front office. And not only wow. that, they put me in charge of about six full-time sales reps along with four or five interns every summer. This right? must have been like pre-2005 because otherwise they have, their EPLI insurance carrier proud have been like, dude, we're dropping you guys. Yeah. That hurts. But <laughs> anyways. That's the truth. Uh, the um, That was the thing that would annoy me the most is I would sit there and I would stand outside the bullpen and I would just walk around and everybody would keep just getting their stuff organized or getting the list of their prospects and all like they kept, they kept getting ready to get ready. And it's like, guys, just start dialing the damn phone. Like at the end of the day, you just got to make them, you just got to make the damn calls. And it was, you know, always, it was always research. It was always like, well, let me review my notes. And it's like, just make the calls, man. Just make the calls. The worst thing that's going to happen is you're going to call somebody and they're going to say, we're not interested. Take me off your list. It's like, yep. think about it. Is that really that bad? Like, does that hurt your fragile little ego so bad that you have to put up this much of a wall between you and getting your work done? Like, is that little comment really worth? I've never had one person tell me to fuck off in all of my time making cold calls. They've just said, not interested. Take me off your list. Click. And like, is that really that bad? It's not. Just make calls. Yeah. No, I obviously I 100% agree with you. And I think um, it's crazy to me how low the, the bar is set. Like, you know, I got a, I got a friend at another national agency that kind of tracks their numbers and their, their sales guys are only expected to make 20, 20, is it 25 calls a week? If it's USI, day? it's 25 a week. That is, I yeah, that's insane. I bet it's USI, isn't it? They're hardcore about tracking stuff. Wow. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, there's other companies too, but it's like, I was thinking about this the other day because like last week, dude, I was like, I had got caught up doing some stuff in the morning, not research. And uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, I got to, I wanted to make, I set it, I was like, okay, I got to set a goal, like 40 calls. I got to get that in. And I only had, it was already 10, 15. And so I made from 10, 15 to 11, 45, I made calls. And then from, I got caught up in something after lunch, just was feeling lazy, whatever. But then I was like, okay, I got to get this done. And then anyways, in literally, I think I ended up being like two and a half hours to three hours max. I got done with 40 calls. Right. And, and I'm like, man, this is such a joke. If you are organized and you just get that fear out of your mind and just say, no, next one on the list, next dial, next, it's just, you can get through so many calls in an hour. It's, it's, you can even throw a little bit of research in there if you want and still get through 10 to at minimally 10 an hour. Right. And if you can't, that's why I always me, say you don't like, you don't have to be a coverage expert to be good in this industry. Like you just have to have the balls to make cold calls. And I know people poo poo that like, <laughs> like it, dude. people poo poo that. And they're like, Oh, you know, you, you gotta be able to do, like, yes, of course you have to have some competence, but you can always bring somebody in to help you on the coverage piece. That is not the rate limiting step. The coverage is not the rate limiting step. You can find somebody that knows how to do that. If you can bring deals in, you're the unicorn. Right. If you're willing to make the calls, you you are the guy that I'm hitching my wagon to if I'm the sales leader in an organization. Okay. Last thing. Can I tell you one story before we go? Yeah. While we're talking about cold calling. All right. So I I wrote a post about this uh, the other day, but there's been some development and I just thought it was really funny. So I'm cold calling 
I call this guy. Uh, it says he has eight trucks in a state adjacent to where I normally call. Uh, I call up. I get the guy on the phone. And this guy is, uh, we'll call him, I think in my post I called him Ricky. Okay. And Ricky is one hard-nosed son of a gun. And Ricky's skin is about this thick. And if you're listening on a pod and you're not watching, I mean, it's very thin. And he does not, he does not like anybody like son. Questioning him. Oh my God. So anyways, so we're talking and before we're like, before I, I, I have zero time to say anything. He answers, he starts going on. He goes on this long diatribe about his insurance. Now his rates are going up and yada, yada, yada. So I just listen. And then once he finally got to a stopping point, I said, Ricky, I said, do you, do you know how the insurance game works? Like very monotone. And he responded something to the effect and I'm paraphrasing, but like, son, let me tell you, I've been in this business since 1995. There's nothing that you're going to tell me about insurance. I know how it works. I've seen it all. And if there's one thing I know it's that you insurance agents are a bunch of shysters. You push everything to the last minute. Um, and what did he say? What was the last thing he said? He said, and frankly, I don't, I think you're being condescending and I don't like your tone. And I, and, and my normally I would say like, all right, Ricky, like this is not going to work, brother. Like see you later. Click. But I didn't say anything and I let him just go and he kept going and he kept going. And then as he kept talking and I wasn't trying to rebut him or like, kind of what Josh Braun talks about, like zone of resistance, whatever. Like I wasn't pushing him on anything. And he basically got back to this point where he's like, listen, man, he's like, I was, I didn't mean to come off harsh. And I said, Ricky, man, I should have rephrased my sentence different, man. I wasn't trying to imply that you didn't know. I was just asking like about the blocking of markets, but clearly you already know how that works, you know, kind of like feeding his ego. Anyways, 10 minutes after our phone call, his stuff, all of his stuff lands in his last year's proposal, all of his agents work and uh, his policies land in my inbox. And, you know, all because I just swallowed my pride and didn't say anything. And I, you know, will I raise insurance? Probably not. Frankly, I don't even know if I want to, honestly. But uh, the development to the story is he then called me back today. And he's like, you know what? I've really been thinking. He's like, um, you know, you seem to know, you know, insert state here. And the two agents I normally work with, they're in, you know, another state. If, if you, if you've got, you know, a relationship with an underwriter that really knows the state that I'm in, just let me know. I'll, I'll, I'll do one of those agent of record letters. <laughs> really? So I just thought it was funny, right? Because, you know, we want to protect that fragile little ego. Somebody's telling me off. I'm going to tell you, Ricky, you know, like you don't know shit. You know, if you did, you wouldn't be in this spot. But I didn't say anything. And just by shutting up, you know, old Ricky's conscience came around. And now I would say that I, you know, am probably the lead dog. Uh, and I might not even have to quote on this thing. I might just get BORs. So how big is I it? Uh, 20 trucks across three states um, with some with some decent property. I'd say it's probably 
I'd say it's probably 40 in revenue. Yeah, that's awesome, dude. Yeah. Now, is it going to happen? Am I going to get to be a warp for everything? Probably not. Right. But I'm just saying it's just sure got me a lot further than uh, if I would have decided to just, you know, put them in this place. Yeah, no, it's the power of swallowing your pride and just just listening and letting people like cool down. Right. Because clearly he's just pissed off about something. And instead of trying to sit there and chime in or defend yourself, it's like, just let him talk. And then he'll eventually kind of talk his way full circle back to like, all right, I vented, you know? Yep. Um, and that's what it was. Cool... Oh man. I hope you get that thing. We'll see. But anyways, anything else you want to add before we shut this thing down? No, I think I covered everything I need to say. All right. Well, those of you who are listening for the first time, uh, A, we appreciate you listening, but uh, B, we have a newsletter. It comes out every week, normally on Sundays. You can subscribe at maxrevenueletter.beehive.com. Please go do that. Also, Micah puts out absolute gold on YouTube, so you can go find us there on YouTube. What What is our YouTube channel? Is it called, is it called the Max, Max Revenue, Revenue Show? show? Max Revenue Max. Show. Yeah. And then uh, we are working on kind of our first product, the producer playbook. It's going to be a, I don't know, two to three hour little course of a bunch of little mini modules where we go through everything, basically just helping you, showing you from soup to nuts how to build a book uh, and uh, how to sell with BORs. So, um, you know, if you're looking to transition from quoting into learning how to sell with BORs or you're just a new producer and you're just like, hey, I'm. I need to know everything, uh, then this might help you for you too. So stay tuned for that. That's still uh, uh, a couple of weeks away, but um, we're putting it together. Uh, and it's damn sure something I wish I would have had when I got started. So maybe maybe it'll help somebody out there. Yes, sir. Can't wait for that right. thing to come out. Uh, cool. All right, guys. Well, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll catch you next week. Adios. All right. Adios.